welcome to the Amanda Wagner podcast. In this episode, we talk about some of the reasons why we keep our best ideas and resources close to our chests. I discuss my relationship with idea hoarding and how I've been talked out of it so that I can see a different way forward. And we revisit showing off and why you have to shoot your shot every damn time. And in WWAWD, we answer Amber's question about feeling isolated as a new business owner. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. When we come up with a great idea, a design, a song, or something that you're proud of, it can be hard for you to want to share it immediately. You want to wait until it's ready, until it's absolutely perfect. And so you noodle on it, you work on it by yourself, sometimes to the point where you're in agony and you're tired of thinking about it, but you're still not quite ready to debut it. Or when you finally get it to a place where you are ready to share it, you want total control over how, to whom, and when it is shared. And while you want the whole world to know what you've created, the irony is that sometimes you spend so much time and effort perfecting it in the background that very few people actually get to experience it. I had this experience a few weeks ago when I had the opportunity to talk to an incredibly talented, open-minded, and frankly, kick-ass entrepreneur named Kate. She is a leader of a team that supports other entrepreneurs. She's a filmmaker and we click beautifully. We are both full of pep and want really big things. Kate's a former TEDx speaker and one of the topics on the agenda was that I was gonna talk to her about her TEDx experience and ask her some questions. I've given the hint about what I thought my eventual TED talk was going to be about. And before we met, I dug deep into what I was trying to create and share and perhaps prove to an eventual audience. I also knew that a virtual TED talk is not what I wanted. I want to stand on the big red dot and I've stopped judging why that's important to me. It just is. When I came to this meeting, I showed my work to Kate. I had a Venn diagram made of three circles with notes and arrows and highlights connecting these three big ideas. And in about two minutes, I tried my best to explain the overall idea, pointing at my diagram and showing how these different ideas intersect. If you're a high achiever like me, you know that when you explain a big idea like this to somebody, especially with a companion drawing, you kind of sit back and wait for your gold star or for wild applause or in my dreams for Kate to say, you're ready. Why hasn't Ted called you yet? Instead, she very thoughtfully sat back and said, I see what you're saying. And I have one thought and one question. My thought is that while you're working on this diagram or theory now, it probably won't be part of your final talk. And my question is, why are you the best person to get on the stage and share this? Because I see your big ideas, but I don't know how they're connected to your personal experience or what brought you to this place. I resisted crying because I knew 
I, I so, so deeply know that I am the person to talk about this. I have a personal connection. I pleaded with her and say, I know the answer to this question, but the answer to the question of why me is the first chapter of the book I'm working on. I don't want to spill the beans and share it in my TED talk. I want to save it for my book. My hope was that in doing this TED talk, people can be excited enough, engaged enough, curious enough about who I am and what I do, that then they would buy the book and read the full story there. I had to keep my best ideas, my most personal stories, the reason why I'm the person to have this talk in one place. I believed that I couldn't mention the story in more than one spot, that by somehow explaining it in my book meant that it was expired or it was over or no longer of any value. It felt like cheating to share my story in more than one place. And I feared that if somebody saw my TED talk and read my book, which is exactly what I want people to do, I feared that they would be disappointed and say, I've heard this story before. Why doesn't she have anything unique? I was hoarding my ideas. I was keeping my best stuff close to my chest. And I was insisting that there's only one way that my audience could possibly engage with my ideas and personality and expertise. And that is to follow the funnel of how I want them to get to know me. I want them to find me on Instagram. I want them to find me on the TED stage through a YouTube video. And I want them to soak up the free content and then move down my funnel. And then I want them to buy my $20 book. And then I want them to buy my $500 course. And then I want them to hire me privately for a couple thousand dollars. And then I want to be on a massive stage for tens of thousands of dollars. And I want each person to follow this exact stage in the funnel. And that meant that I was hoarding my best stuff for that magical tens of thousands of dollars mark, which I don't even have yet. Liz, have you ever found yourself hoarding your ideas or your best stuff waiting for the perfect time to share? Oh, definitely. I've had, you know, ideas for social media posts or for cons campaigns or, you know, in a past life, TV segments. And I would get these ideas as I was leaving a job or knew I'm leaving soon, or I'm going to be wrapping up this contract soon. I'm not going to use this idea if I'm not going to stick around to A, get the credit for it, or B, see the results from it. Or I've had an idea of something I want to execute, but I don't have the time to do it perfectly right at the moment. So I'll hang on to it for a long time, or in a lot of cases, forever. (laughs) So definitely, definitely this resonates with me. I love this idea that, okay, so you have a contract wrapping up and I have a great idea for a campaign or a social post, but I'll just save it. I'll save it for the next person because you're right. I I don't think there's any shame in, in saying, I want the glory. I want the credit. I want to see if this great idea that I have really works. I started thinking about why I do this, because I I think illustrating this idea of the, the TED talk versus the book and not wanting to overlap or double dip in those ideas, it's such a clear example. And yet I find that I do this often. I came up with a few reasons for why I might do this. 
And my top three is that I'm obsessed with delivering value. And sometimes that means that I feel this immense pressure to come up with something new and unique and sexy so that my audience has something new for me. Secondly, I get bored with my own stuff and I incorrectly assume that everybody else is bored with it too. If I share the same why me story, which for anybody who's listening, this story is around my, what are you waiting for an invitation? And my experience of being in a conference room and listening to somebody else on stage and going, why is she up there? And I'm not, I get bored with that story. I've told it a hundred times. So somebody else is bored with it too. And that third reason, and I think this is the one that kicks me in the teeth the most, I'm afraid that I only get one chance that I have one opportunity to share the story or the idea and I can't blow it. And Liz, you've brought up a great point. It's like, you only have one chance to do this social campaign. You only have one chance to do a TV segment in this style. And so you keep it close to your chest. Liz, what are some of the other reasons you think we hoard our best stuff? Well, I will say your reason with the boredom that hits me big time. I feel this all the time with the workshops I give, but also the classes I teach. I talk about the same thing a lot and I'm just like sick of myself. But then someone asks for a workshop on that subject and it's like, okay, sure, I'll do it. But also like, I'm so, I'm so bored of myself. There's this idea that because we've done something so much, we assume that one person has been in every single classroom. The workshop I deliver most often is increasing value and sales while providing a great customer experience. And I use the same stories and the same examples because it works. Mm -hmm. It gets great results. And yet I kind of suck the joy out of that experience for the audience and I take it into me and I'm like, well, I'm bored. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that really stuck with me. Another reason that I think maybe people hoard ideas is they think it's actually not ready for public consumption yet. So we know that there's something there. It's good. Like I like it, but then they tweak and tweak and tweak forever as a means of procrastination. And we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but I think that that is maybe another reason as well. Do you have anything right now that you find yourself keeping secret, any ideas or plans that you're like, it's not quite ready yet? Good question. Probably. Oh yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I think I have one that I kind of half worked on about a year ago and then it's not ready yet. So I've kind of put it off to the side and now I haven't made time to get back to it, but I don't want to release it until it's ready for public consumption. Yeah. I definitely have one that I had forgotten about. I procrastinated on it for so long. Right. Do you have a sense of when it will be ready or is it the head? Not the foggiest. No idea. Right. So we hold things back and go, I'll, I'll deal with this later. I'll put it out when it's ready, but we have no fucking concept of what ready looks like. (laughs) Yeah. I feel you. The kicker of this idea hoarding. And I have to believe that we are not the only people experiencing this. I will tell you that every time we go into recording, I have to give myself a pep talk and go someone else out there feels this too, right? So the kicker of this is that 
I want to be known for something. My clients want to be known for something. That is the core of the work that we do. The question I use often is, what do you want your gravestone to say? Because it's, it's going to say something that matters to you. And that's where you need to put your time and energy. So knowing that the type of people we are, the type of people we work with want to build a presence and a reputation and not have to introduce themselves in a room of strangers forever. We want people to associate our name with what we stand for. It explicitly means that we don't want to be known for everything. So by creating something new and different every single time, we're actually diluting our story by always having to find something new and sexy and unique. We're going, pay attention to this and this and this and this. We're essentially creating more shiny objects for other people to look at instead of getting to the core of here's what I want to be known for. I'm going to tell this story a million times because it's my greatest hit and because it works. Similar to the workshop that you're asked to deliver over and over again. In your mind, it's boring, but for your audience, it's their first time engaging with this content and it's going to blow their minds. We talk about Brene Brown a lot, and I imagine that on this day, there are people who are learning about Brene Brown for the first time. Imagine if her TED Talk had been on something that's not her best work. If she focused her TED Talk on something that was new to her, but not as impactful, we probably wouldn't be inspired to buy her book on the same title and hear more about it. So this obsession of always needing something new and shiny and keeping our best stuff a secret, it makes me think that we're all people producing seasonal clothing lines, (laughs) that we have to have something new for every single season and every single year as though we're doing a show of something brand new. But even in the fashion industry, designers have specific trends and they have specific elements that make you better able to differentiate between a different designer's style. When it comes to TED Talks, Kate reminded me that some of the most popular ones, Brene Brown, Simon Sinek, are not only shared over and over years after they were first recorded, but each of these people have entire books that reference the same examples and the big ideas. LP, can you share with us some other examples where you see the same idea repeated over and over or someone who's built something major on one concept? You see a lot of this, if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of thing in my industry, a lot of repeating in digital communications. And I'm thinking of a food blogger I follow and also like a lot of food bloggers I follow, you know, they'll do a blog post with a recipe for a specific dish. And then they'll do an Instagram live where they make that dish with a friend or a fellow blogger. They share the live of that dish to their Instagram story. They shoot a Instagram reel making that dish with a, with a how-to, they should post a photo of that dish. This is one recipe that they've spliced into several pieces of micro content. It's all the same subject matter. And so many people follow that formula. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel. That's something you see really, really often online. And back in March, 
you and I both attended the virtual takeaway conference. And one of the talks that I went to at takeaway was solely about repurposing content, because I think we have this assumption, number one, that people are bored with us. And number two, that every single person sees every single post or every single newsletter that we send, and we need to hear it once. And then we know it and believe it and we'll be bored with it. And that isn't true. In this conversation with Kate, which for the record, this was an hour conversation, there was lots on the agenda, and she is a superstar who gave so much to me in that conversation. She continued to wow me by sharing with me the idea of transmedia storytelling. She just asked me, do you know what transmedia is? And I'm like, no, tell me everything. Got my pen. So I want to share this with you. The idea behind transmedia is that one story or one idea is expressed through a variety of digital channels and not restricted to being shared in one place. So the same idea that I share on the podcast will also be on Instagram, will also become an article and will be a book chapter. Exactly as Liz is explaining about a food blogger, it's on the blog and in a reel and in an Instagram live and in a newsletter recap. This is a game-changing concept for me for a few reasons. And first and foremost, it's helping me reject the funnel. As I love a sales and marketing funnel, but it's helping me realize that not every single person is going to enter at the top of the funnel just because I want them to. Some people's first experience of me might be buying my course. Somebody's first experience might be as an audience member for one of the talks that I give or a YouTube video or hearing me on a guest podcast or reading something that I wrote a few years ago. So by providing all of these different sources with a core idea or a handful of ideas, that's how I'm really going to be known for something. So instead of feeling like my idea or my story is somehow boring and has to be improved or rethought, I am now thinking of these stories and ideas, the what are you waiting for an invitation and why is she up there and I'm not, those are now my greatest hits. It doesn't mean I won't have more, but it means that right now, those are the stories that I need to tell over and over again. I think about my most recent concert or comedy experiences, which were back in 2018, 2019. I love the comedian Jim Gaffigan. If you don't know him, please Google Jim Gaffigan Hot Pockets. He does this beautiful three or four minute bit about Hot Pockets, and I love it. Even though I had heard it many times, I sat on the edge of my seat waiting for him to do it. And I talked it out with him. I knew the joke. I knew the punchlines. And yet I sat through that entire concert of his waiting to hear it because it's one of his greatest hits. The last concert I went to was Fleetwood Mac. I was so excited. And I will tell you a hundred percent, I would have been pissed if Stevie Nicks came on stage and said, I'm going to play some new stuff that you've never heard before. I want to hear Gypsy. 
That's all I want to hear. So I would actually be disappointed if these people that I look up to and admire, if they did not share the thing that made me fall in love with them. I don't want you to give me something new and boring or something that you're noodling on. I want you to give me your best shit. So I am no Jim Gaffigan. I am no Stevie Nicks. And yet, in order to get to that level, I have to start honing my own greatest hits. If I want to be at the level of these people, I'm not only building my own greatest hits, I'm also repeating them over and over again. I am running the risk of me getting bored and annoyed with my story, but I want new people who come in to recognize me and hear that story and go, yeah, that's Amanda Wagner. The other reasons that this has been a game-changing concept for me, number two, I firmly believe that if I have had great ideas before, chances are I will have them again and I will have more of them. It feels really quite sad to think that if at 34, I've come up with my only good story and idea that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. Even saying this out loud feels ludicrous. And Liz, I'm thinking about the thing you've got in your back pocket. It's like, do you think that's the only good idea you're going to have? So it has to be perfect before you share it. I would, yeah, that feels quite sad to think this is it. That's it. That's right. the only idea I have left. Yeah, exactly. At the tender age of 30 something, this is the last good idea you're ever going to have. How embarrassing for us. We aren't those people. It also helps me gather some proof that five years ago, I thought I hit the nail on the head with this other idea. And guess what? I've had more since then and they've just gotten better. It doesn't mean I shouldn't have shared that idea beforehand. It meant that by sharing it and by talking about it over and over, I could find more of these ideas. I could create them. I could build more stories and experiences. And that third reason that this was a game changer for me is because it reminded me I have to keep showing off everywhere. As much as I love this funnel, I do not get to decide how people find me. My job is to build out my greatest hits, share them everywhere, and get loud and get annoying. I don't want someone to watch my TED Talk that isn't my best stuff and then sit back and hope like hell that they buy the book and want to hear more. I want them to know what I'm about and want more of it in different mediums. I hear so many people that are afraid to be annoying and assume that repetition is annoying. LP, as our resident digital media specialist and expert on all things social media and teaching people how to do this, can you offer some reassurance that we are allowed to repeat ourselves? I absolutely can. There is so much storytelling going on out there. People don't pay attention to just one speaker one coach, one athlete, one food blogger, one business, repeat your story. And if we want to talk from the social media side of things specifically, look at your analytics or look at your podcast listens or look at how many website visits or blog reads you get, figure out what the people are really enjoying and then give them more of that thing. That's what they love and they want more of it. There's so much storytelling going on out there. 
and like a nerdy statistic for you, the average life of a tweet is 18 minutes. That's not long at all. So keep reiterating, keep sharing, figure out what your story is, what's resonating with people, figure out your formula and then follow that. Can you give us an example of if somebody were to look at their Instagram analytics, what would they see and how, like if they have a post that's performing really well, what do they do next? So somebody's listening to this and they go, cool, I have a great performing post. Now what? So I would look at the post and determine what that core idea was in it. And then if it was a super engaging post, see what people are saying to see if you can further that story. If there are questions coming up, maybe you do a post dedicated to the answers to those questions. Or maybe you share the exact same idea again a week from now, but the post looks completely different. So just kind of pulling out little threads here and there and experimenting within that core idea to see what's going to continue to land with people. As you're saying this, I'm pulling up my Instagram and it's making me go, oh, now I understand why we do more of this specific thing or why we use this certain graphic because it, it is an invitation. It isn't just, oh, great. This post did well. Check mark. I did a good job. It's going cool. How do I do that more? Yeah. Doing the follow-up, figuring out. I always say if I like, if I had a buck for every time I've said, figure out what the people want and give them more of that thing. Yeah. I'd be loaded. We, I wouldn't have to do what I actually do. <laughs> Figure, you know, figuring out why they continue to come to you, what it is about your story that is, you know, hitting home for them and then figure out different ways to continue to expand and keep giving them what they're there for. This is very meta, but as you are saying this, I'm hearing you say, oh, if I had a dollar for every time I said this, I'd be rich. I'm like, that's the story. That's the idea that you need to be sharing over and over and over again, because clearly it's what's drawing people to you. It's what's making people go, I need to hire Liz for a workshop because she has a really great way to think about creating things for our audience. That is becoming your greatest hit. So maybe that's a, a cue to our audience of like, what is the thing that you say all the time? What's the thing that if you were paid every time you said it, it would make you rich and say it more and say it in different places, in different ways. And if people are annoyed, A, it means they're seeing everything you put out, which doesn't feel likely. And B, they'll self-select and say, this isn't for me. But I love when Jim Gaffigan puts out new comedy. I want to hear it all the time. I still want to hear Hot Pockets every single time. And if people are getting annoyed, find a way to continue to tell your story just in a slightly different way. You can still, you can still tell that core story, but if people are starting to get annoyed with your approach, find a different approach. They might still love the the nuggets in that story, but you might just need to do it a little differently. Right. They might, you're exactly right. There's a story I tell all the time in my sales and value customer experience training around the shape of the meat, or I use the same story that uses the keg restaurant as an example. If I know the core of what I'm trying to get to, I can find a new restaurant. I can customize that story to my audience a little bit with the, so what, or the answer to that question being the same every single time. Oh, Liz, I'm so fired up. 
I'm looking at this going, it is my job to get as many of my good ideas, my greatest hits out in as many places as possible, even before they're perfect. And even if they're going to be in multiple places, full disclosure, this story of the conversation with Kate and how I've been rethinking idea hoarding is a chapter that I've written for my book. And I'm a proud double and triple dipper. I have completely changed this attitude. When you listen to this podcast, it's going to read a little bit differently than it is in the book. But the idea and the concept is the same and it is solid. And my God, I owe Kate a hell of a lot more for this hour conversation that has not only created these brilliant ideas, but have become pieces of content that I get to share. So here's what I want to know from you. Just like Liz and I have admitted, we've been hoarding some of our best ideas. What have you been hiding or hoarding or holding back on because you are afraid that once it's out there, it will be expired. Give us a hint. If you're not ready to quite share it, just say it's something to do with because we know we are not the only people holding these things close to our chest. Sometimes with hoarding ideas, it can feel really lonely and really isolating if you're not getting those out into the world. And that is the subject of today's WWAWD. Our question comes from Amber, who says, how do you avoid feeling isolated as a new business owner? I've been working so hard on my new business and my friends don't get it. So I feel frustrated and alone. I don't love networking groups, especially since everything is virtual right now. Any suggestions for what I should do? What do you think, AW? This is a great question. And you're right. Networking groups at the best of times are challenging. Never mind being behind a computer screen for more hours a day. My thought here is A, that even though you feel alone, you aren't actually alone. And B, to approach this through the same lens that I approach friendship, which is finding your four quarters over 10 dimes. You don't need every single person in the world to celebrate you. You don't need a huge network of people. You need one or two people that you can say, I need to explicitly talk about my business. This is hard. So maybe it's not your existing friends. There is such thing as internet friends. And even though the virtual space is very hard, I will tell you that Liz and I met through Instagram. I started following her. I liked what she was doing. And I sent a DM and we ended up meeting in person. And so I think number one is to take the pressure off of having to build a massive network. And in the meantime, as you try to find more of these people, it might be explicitly asking a friend that you have for some time to talk about your business, to say, hey, I know that this is different than what we're used to talking about, but I need a friend right now. I need half an hour to explain what's happening in my life. And it's okay if you don't get it, but what I need to hear is you see that I'm working hard or that you're proud of me or that you are here to support me because sometimes our friends just don't know what to do. And I think that that is very common when you are, regardless of the stage you're at in business, some of my friends still don't really know what my day-to-day -day looks like. 
So I will say to them, look, I'm struggling with a business thing. And even just talking it out is going to help me. Can I talk it out to you for half an hour? And so having somebody that's just willing to listen and hear, I'm really excited about this. I'm really nervous about this. I'm thinking about this new idea. It lets me get it out. And sometimes getting it out is more important than having somebody who can give specific advice. If you want to know a little bit more about the four quarters over 10 dimes approach, I recommend episode 38, where we talk about perspectives on friendships and a model for mapping our acquaintances all the way to our inner circle. And very similar to AW in that I have friends who still don't quite know what I do. I have lots of people in the virtual world that I, that I rely on that are friends and people I know, but I also follow Instagram accounts for new business owners or for freelancers that share little bits of inspiration or just little bits of reassurance that I'm not alone in feeling this way. You're definitely not alone. I think a lot of our podcast listeners, Amber, are probably feeling similar to how you are right now or have felt that way at some point. So just finding those little pockets of inspiration and motivation and reassurance where you can. I know that it's tricky, uh, but hopefully you'll find some community somewhere so you realize that you're not in this by yourself. I just thought of something that I've done in the past when I see an Instagram post that I really like or that I really engage with. I'll creep the comments And I'll say, who else is in here cheerleading this idea or this person? Because we can find some commonality and even just liking their comment or responding to it and saying, great idea can help you find these people, somebody that gets you, somebody that may have maybe in a similar space in their business or have some idea that helps you kind of create your own community, a community of two still counts. As we talk about building communities and getting rid of these feelings of isolation, it helps to know what you stand for and it helps for you to start developing your greatest hits. So I hope that by me sharing this vulnerable experience of me going, what the hell is transmedia? And I don't want to share that idea on stage because it's in my book. I hope that that helps other people stop hoarding their ideas and get it out in the world, even if it isn't perfect, even if it doesn't feel ready, because you can always refine and whatever age you are, chances are you're going to have more good ideas in your lifetime. So please join us on Instagram and tell us what have you been keeping close to your chest that you are ready to share with the world. We want to help nudge you in that direction and help you become known for something. If you are ready to stop hoarding and get your big, brilliant ideas out in the world, even if they aren't ready, so you don't have to introduce yourself in a room full of strangers, I am on your team. Please reach out to me at theamandawagner.com or send me a DM on Instagram at theamandawagner. And if you're curious about how to share your story and splice it into little pieces of micro content and share it all over the place, I can help you with that. Connect with me on Instagram at Liz Pittman or visit LizPittman.com. 
This episode has me so fired up. I just want to go and start sharing all of my greatest hits. I want to start creating the the album cover that eventually will have my 10 best stories. And I hope that it has been just impactful, just as impactful for our listeners. We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And until then, we will see you on the internet. way to end the week man we did a good job today we did really good i'm again i don't know what it is is it that it's like the last thing on friday is it that it's i don't know but there's something like we were just on fire today i feel like i have a specific kind of energy because i have to pee really bad (laughs) that's good energy you are not alone in that